Yes. Allergy. Ranger. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is food news. This is from CNN. McDonald's BTS deal is here, and it's more than we expected. This is, of course, referring to BTS, the South Korean mega group. Okay. That I am not honestly that familiar with. I, I know, know a lot of people are big fans. I of. know of them. Don't know any of the music. Yeah, I was I was looking at some of their songs earlier. And just oh yeah, yeah. It's, are they? It's, are they like? They're, I mean, they're good. <laughs> like, are they like high energy? Like, yeah, dancing. I mean, it's kinda? it's K-pop. Okay, like okay. it's the K-popiest of K-pop, and it's it's good. It's cool. just <laughs> I don't listen to it a lot. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, fans eager for the BTS meal at McDonald's will be excited to hear that the collaboration goes beyond nuggets. Um, so this is something that they actually announced in April, uh, that they were going to be doing this BTS collaboration meal. Okay. But they're also dropping a limited edition merchandise line on Wednesday that is inspired by the group's purple colors and the fast food chain's logo, uh, including hoodies, t-shirts, bathrobes, socks, and sandals. I just like the idea of having a BTS cross with McDonald's bathrobe. Like, <laughs> that is such a specific audience but that you're targeting. Who, yeah, wait, but who is that audience? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe just the lady in the ad I don't, <laughs> that was wearing it. Um, okay. It was, a perp, it was like a purple bathrobe. It looked nice, I guess, but... I have just, a purple bathrobe. Yeah. Maybe I'm the audience for this. <laughs> Maybe it is you. <laughs> Maybe you're a BTS fan and you don't know it yet. <laughs> Maybe. Um, the meal that they're doing as part of this collaboration goes on sale on Wednesday, which is the day we're recording. Um, after, like I said, being announced in April, the meal includes a 10-piece chicken McNuggets, medium fries, and Coke. I assume you can get other drinks as well. As well as the U.S. debut of two new dipping sauces, sweet chili and Cajun flavors, inspired by McDonald's South Korean recipes. Um, So I actually saw, I don't actually remember now what other article I read, (laughs) but they said that the sweet chili one tasted like uh, gochujang, like the classic spicy uh, red pepper. Hmm. Like it's a famous South Korean like spice essentially. Okay. So it works for the theme. Cajun, I didn't really understand because that I thought was more associated with the American South. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're maybe trying to appeal to American Yeah, I don't buyers. know. Maybe, don't, maybe there's more Cajun stuff in South Korea than we yeah, realize. Maybe. I don't know. Um, the meal is the first celebrity collaboration to go on sale globally. They've done other oh. collaborations. Apparently, I think they had one with Travis Scott. There was some other thing. Don't remember. I don't know. I don't go to McDonald's that often. Really, I'm mm-hmm. completely out of my wheelhouse with this yeah. article. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> we just we get obsessed with McDonald's every year when they have the Shamrock Shake, and then yeah, that's, that's and then the, the rest end of the year of it's content. kind of like yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um, but uh, McDonald's has also dropped, or they also did drop limited edition merchandise in February to celebrate the launch of their newest chicken sandwich, which I think we actually might have talked about. Wait, yes. They had like we a say, weird shirt or something that was like a black and white photo oh, of the yes, sandwich. I remember it was a was t-shirt with them? the with the sandwich. Yeah. Was that also when we talked when we didn't we say that Taco Bell had it too or something? Taco Bell was doing something. And, and we but were then, like, like how last is Taco week Bell? they're just doing the naked chicken chalupa, so 
I don't know what they're what Taco Bell's up to. <laughs> Taco Bell's a little lost right now yeah. in the chicken wars. They're not really sure what their part is, I don't think. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, all that said, this I mean, if you like chicken nuggets and fries and these sauces sound good to you, it's, why not? Go grab it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, given how like rabid this fan base can be, who knows if it'll even be available. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's they'll buy them all immediately. up. Yeah, buy them all up. Start selling them on eBay. My first story is entertainment news. This is from the BBC.com. And the headline is Charlie bit my finger video to be taken off of YouTube. I heard about this. After selling for 500,000 pounds, British pounds. Yes, the uh, famous Charlie Bit My Finger video will be taken off of YouTube. It was sold um, for about $761,000, actually, is the the uh, conversion there. I almost said translation. I'm like, that's the wrong word. Conversion. <laughs> it's a translation of money. Yes. <laughs> the Davies Carr family has auctioned the clip off as an NFT, or non-fungible token. I don't know why that's the name of it, but I'm now going to explain what an NFT is for anyone who does not know. An NFT is like a certificate to say that you own something digital. It means original versions of viral videos, memes, or tweets can be sold as if they were art, like by the creator of it, basically. Like the clarification, as if they were art. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) This is... God, I'm laughing way too hard at that. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, so, okay, so yes, they auctioned this off. They took bids. Um, I guess there were like two anonymous accounts at the end that were in the final like bid for it, and this account named Three F Music eventually outbid everyone and bought this video for that price. And we don't even know who it is. Cool. Um, and then I guess that person. I don't know exactly why, but they had said that they wanted to remove the video from YouTube on May 23rd, but it's actually still there. So now there's this like, wait, what's going on? I don't know. We, people don't know what's happening, but supposedly it's going to get taken down. But this article didn't actually like explain why. But now somebody somebody bought the rights to it. if you technically own it, you can like claim ownership and take it down. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know. This whole thing is just. The whole it's, NFT it's thing just, is so stupid. I don't really it's understand so... it. Um, but apparently, uh, according to this article, this is a growing trend, yeah. NFTs. Um, I found out that the Disaster Girl meme, which if you don't know what that is, uh-huh. if you don't know what that is, it's the picture of the girl smiling with the fire the in the back, on house fire on fire behind, yeah. <laughs> yeah, behind her, was recently sold as an NFT for $473,000. And then also the 10-year-old internet meme Nyan Cat, somehow, somebody sold that for $580,000 oh in gosh. February. I haven't thought about Nyan Cat in a while. <laughs> Nyan, I probably said it Nyan, wrong. Nyan, yeah. It's like... Because it's a cat that just goes Nyan, 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 Nyan. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, or it's a song, though. I don't remember the song. Nyan, 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 Nyan. No, that's no. the Meow, Meow, Meow. <laughs> that's that's something else. I, don't remember, I haven't listened to it in many years, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, so this is a thing. This is a thing that's happening. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, if I was somebody that made 
a viral meme like that and I could do this and just make like 500 grand just like because I, mean, I, get, I probably would do it. I 100% get why they're selling it. I 100% don't understand why anybody would buy it because like there's no way you're controlling like that. Yeah, those memes are everywhere. They're anything that's been on the internet is no longer like you're not going to be able to say like I'm the only one who has this. Like that's just not like even if they take the video off YouTube, it's still on the internet. It's not. Like, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's just it's been there too be long. It's especially too viral. once they said they were going to take it down. I'm sure somebody. Oh, yeah, like, a bunch of people grabbed like it. Like millions like, of yeah. people have now downloaded it as soon as they were like, we're going to take this down. Like, it's like, well, no, you're not. And now I have it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's, that's the side of it I don't understand is why people are spending the money. But, no, I don't know either. But um, it's interesting. Yeah. My next story is dinosaur news. I actually say that because it's it involves fossils, but they're not actually fossils of dinosaurs. So oh, okay. sorry in advance. <laughs> um, this is from SmithsonianMag.com. Park ranger stumbles upon treasure trove of several million-year-old fossils in Northern California. Wow! It's a bunch of fossils. They found like a whole bunch of fossils. Uh, in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains in California, paleontologists have uncovered a collection of fossils, including an 8-million-year-old mastodon skull Whoa. with both tusks intact, Ooh. a rhino skeleton, a giant tortoise, 600 petrified trees, and <gasps> many more specimens. Oh, wow. There's actually more that they list later on, which are, like, those, are, those aren't even the coolest things they found, I oh. don't think. It's, but, yeah, like, the fact that they found, a, like, a fully intact mastodon skull... Or at least the tusks were intact. That's so cool. Um, so dating back to the Miocene epoch, the site is considered one of the most significant fossil discoveries in California history. Uh, park ranger and naturalist Greg Fransek from the East Bay Municipal Utility District uh, first stumbled upon a petrified tree while on patrol in the uh, Macalumna River watershed located in Sierra Nevada, or in the Sierra Nevada Mounts. Um, and then, like, he looked at that tree, and then he found another one pretty close to it, and then a third, and then a fourth. Is like, I should tell somebody about this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, from there, the organization reached out to paleontologists and geologists from California State University, Chico, to take a closer look. The last time mastodon remains uh, were found in California was in 1947, so it hmm. has been a while. In the past year since the initial discovery, California State University paleontologist Russell Shapiro and his team have found hundreds of animal fossils from varying species within the site of the petrified forest remains. Among the finds were also a taper, uh, a horse, the remains of an ancient 400-pound salmon with sharp teeth. Whoa! How'd that get there? That's a big salmon. (laughs) Uh, An extinct species of camel that was as tall as a giraffe. Okay, this is starting to get like more and more kind of just like it's starting to get fantastical. Goofy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. And something called a gomphothere, which is an ancient elephant with four tusks. What? Which just sounds I've like never a even heard of that creature. before. Yeah. <laughs> also, okay, it's so called was... a gomphothere, which is just the wildest wait, thing. This, whole, this really is It's a 400 pound salmon? A 400-pound salmon. A, a camel, camel with a neck as, like a giraffe. Just as tall as a giraffe. Oh. I don't even know if it's a neck. It might have just been a giant camel. <laughs> and then, so how is 
fed a real animal? An ancient elephant with four tusks. I've never heard of these things. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, the team suspects that the remains ended up in the watershed when floods and volcano debris flows, uh, or volcano debris flows carried them there. Um, so, but yeah, this is just this incredible fossil deposit in Northern California with all these wild wow. uh, creatures from the Miocene. Which What's, we don't we don't talk about that much. It's one of the uh, like, uh, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the word. It's an epoch, paleonto- paleontological epoch. I don't know, but because um, I think I don't remember if it like the Pleistocene came before or after that. It's been a while since I've looked at my epochs. I think <laughs> <laughs> I think you know more about these than I do. Yeah, but. That's the Miocene is the one when there were mammoths, basically. Okay. That's probably enough to go off of okay. for the story at least. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just this treasure trove. Um and they also said that they're going to be putting the uh Macedon skull on display at the uh university. So cool. It's exciting stuff. And yeah, I I think I am I imagine if it's only been a year since they discovered it, they're still digging for things. Oh yeah, I'm sure they are. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that is so cool. It's so cool when we like find stuff like that. It's like this stuff still exists to be discovered. Right. There's still things we like we haven't we haven't covered at all yet. A camel as tall as a giraffe. A camel as tall as a giraffe. Yeah. Whoa. That would it would be so big. I don't know. I wish they'd given more details <laughs> like, if yeah. if it is proportional to a modern camel would it just be that enormous yeah (laughs) or is it like a neck thing or is it just the neck is very because if it's the neck and humps then that's just something straight out of a dr seuss book oh a (laughs) hundred percent that can't be real no i'm starting to think that dr seuss might have been plagiarizing some of these what if he was onto something (laughs) he was from the past he's a time traveler from the miocene epoch yes this is what we've learned My next story is health news. This is also from the BBC.com. The headline is, Algae Proteins Partially Restore Man's Sight. Wow. They put algae in a guy's eye, and then he could see again. No, I'm (laughs) just kidding. He just dunked his head in a a lake, and it was like, whoa. Whoa. (laughs) How did we not know this? No. Um, (laughs) How has this never worked before? (laughs) The vision of a completely blind man has been partially restored using light-sensing proteins first found in algae. The man was treated with a type of therapy called optogenetics, which uses the proteins to control cells at the back of the eye. So for this particular therapy, the proteins come from algae and are called channel rhodopsins. They change their behavior in response to light. The proteins do. Okay. Okay, so this person was diagnosed 40 years ago with retinitis pigmentosa, which leads to the death of light-sensing cells on the surface of the retina. And apparently this condition affects more than 2 million people worldwide. So it's not like super, super common, but it's common enough (laughs) that this therapy would be good. That's not a significant number of people. Right. Um, So the first step in the way this treatment worked was he got like a gene therapy where basically like the genetic instructions for making these rhodopsin proteins were taken out of the algae and then like somehow inserted into the cells in the, in the 
retina all like deep into the retina in the back of this guy's eye so it's so that it would like produce those proteins basically like naturally in his eye basically taught it how to do what this like this disorder prevented them from doing in the first place kind of yes like partially but yes yeah um slightly different obviously but so yeah so it made it so that his eye would like be producing these proteins Mm -hmm. um however just that on its own would only cause your eyes to respond only to like amber light, I guess, because that's what the algae does or something. Oh. They didn't totally explain that, but like the algae is a fan of sunsets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Long walks on the beach. Yes. Um, so the next step on this was that the patient had to wear a pair of goggles with a video camera in it and like a special projector that would like be filming what was happening and like project a version of that in a certain like light wavelength into the eyes so that the proteins would be like um like interpreting it the right way. Okay. Since it's not like normal human eye proteins. Wow. So okay, so he's wearing that. Uh Uh-huh. And his brain like got used to it and could started to like be able to see things. So he realized it was working, I guess. So he he started being able to see like like the um like on the road like markings on a street outside oh wow like that contrast yeah like a crosswalk yes exactly um so that was the first thing that he was able to see and then um he can now like pick up and count objects on a table that's where he's at now with this and he was completely blind before yeah right going from complete blindness to just even being able to interpret changes in light has got to be like such a amazing shift so wow. it's super awesome, and I thought this was super cool. Um, so they published this, and I, I guess it was kind of just like a case report, but in um, the journal Nature Medicine. But yeah, that is so like he amazing. Have, he has to wear the goggles though to see. It sounded like that, okay, yeah, because yeah. because I wasn't sure if it was like they were somehow training the um, brain or something, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I think well, just my scientific mind is just thinking that probably he could learn to do it without the goggles maybe, but it might not work as well. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That'd be interesting to like, if they ever do a follow up. I think that, that, yeah, the goggles are just like, or we're just supposed to help with that, like that light translation because they knew how these proteins worked and they were trying to like help it along or whatever. So mm-hmm. as far as I know, he has to wear the goggles, but still, yeah, <laughs> that's no, like, like going amazing. from not seeing to being able to like count objects. That's, that's yeah. so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> and very exciting. it's like, it's a cool therapy, but also just also just shows how cool the human brain is because you know that mm-hmm. it's that's just like the person's brain has to like adapt to this and learn how to interpret that information. And it's, I just love hearing stuff like that when it's like, oh yeah, their brain just like adapted to it. It's awesome. I also find this kind of thing so fascinating from just like an evolutionary standpoint because like a lot of times skeptics of evolution will be like, well, how does something like as complicated as the eye come into existence? And it's like this is how it started with just a cell that sensed light. And, like, over time grew right. into something mm-hmm. more complicated and complex that could, that could like, interpret more and more things that were evolutionarily advantageous to see. So, yep. I don't know. This is just – it's just cool to, to, like, see that come, like, directly from a plant <laughs> to a person's <laughs> yes, eye. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like, hey, yeah. not so different there. The, yeah. Like, you can kind of <laughs> hey. see – Hey, this is happening. Hey. You can kind of see the link up. Yeah. It's cool. It's so cool. It's so cool. My next story is space news. This is from CNN. 
baby squid and tardigrades are heading to space. Tardigrades. Tardigrades. Wait, they Two are shooting weeks. them into space. <laughs> <laughs> I knew now they would we do are. this. Yeah. Not with a gun this time. But, okay. Um, yeah, tardigrades. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks we can, in a row. Let's see if we can make it three. <laughs> this is going to uh, be a streak now? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a two-episode streak. Uh, the animal, the animals will be joining the astronaut crew aboard the International Space Station for research purposes. Um, so, I mean, that's probably okay. not surprising. I don't know. How, <laughs> no, we're not shooting them into space with a gun, unfortunately, mm. as funny as that would be. Uh, SpaceX is scheduled to launch its 22nd cargo resupply mission to the space station on June 3rd. The spacecraft will carry supplies, scientific research experiments, technology demonstrations, and new solar panels that will be installed outside the space station by astronauts during spacewalks in June. Uh, so sounds like a pretty important mission. Uh, about 5,000 tardigrades and 128 baby glow-in-the-dark bobtail squid will be among oh, the cargo oh. headed to the station. Uh, yeah, it's a hmm. ba- baby glow-in-the-dark bobtail squid. I think the glow-in-the-dark is just oh. a descriptor. I think their name is just bobtail squid. Anyway, uh, both will be involved in experiments there. Uh, the first to see how tardigra- tardigrades tolerate the environment... Um, and the other to see if the lack of gravity affects symbiotic relationships between the squid and beneficial microbes. So the first one is kind of straightforward. They just want to have tardigrades in space and see what happens. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Which, I'm all for it. Let's be honest, we all want tardigrades in space and to see what happens. Um, the other one, I'll get... I'll explain in a little more detail later. Uh, other experiments heading to the station include a portable ultrasound, uh, the remote operation of robotic arms using virtual reality, which I don't really understand why that would be different in space, hmm. but uh, analyzing how kidney stones form in space, studying the oral micro- microbiome in space, oh. and uh, producing more stress-resistant cotton, <laughs> which seemed like kind of the odd one out there. Yeah. Um, I don't, again, I don't really understand why that needs to be in space also. But uh, it's not the first time the tardigrades have gone to space, and there may even be some of them on the moon after a mission carrying them crashed into its surface. I didn't give any more details about that, but have we talked about <laughs> tardigrades crashing onto the moon before? Onto the moon? It feels like we would have. I don't, I don't think, think it was, so. I don't know if it was recent or anything, but, and they're probably, they didn't think they were still alive, but they might be because they're tardigrades. So. They might be, yeah. Well, what we talked about last week is that they can survive some pretty tough conditions, even though they think yeah. they won't survive like that type of impact, but like they could. They could shoot them out of a gun. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Um, so, but the other experiment, which I thought was a little less obvious what they were doing, uh, animals, including humans, rely on our microbes to maintain a healthy digestive and immune system. We do not fully understand how spaceflight alters these beneficial interactions. So the squid experiment will use the -the glow-in-the-dark bobtail squid to study this. Maybe that is the full name. I don't know. Hmm. Um, These squid have a special light organ inside the body, which can be colonized by a species of luminescent bacteria. The squid can then use that bacteria to glow in the dark. Because it's a single species of bacteria and a single type of host tissue, it's easy for researchers to follow how this process unfolds. As opposed to something like the human... uh, biome which has like millions of bacteria and like probably a ton of different tissue that they're interacting Mm -hmm. with this is like a single thing that they can very easily monitor um the squid also have an immune system which is very similar to the type that humans have which is kind of interesting oh um Hmm. the squid are born without bacteria obviously 
That's, yeah. They don't just materialize. They just, just like, <laughs> um, so they have to acquire it from their environment. The humans conducting the experiment will initiate the symbiosis by adding the bacteria to the animals and, dis- and observing what happens during the first few hours as colonization takes place. So basically the point of the experiment is to see like when this bacteria is introduced to a newly born squid or a young squid um, in space, how... Like, does the interaction happen as you'd expect it to on Earth, or are, yeah. is it like um, degraded in some way, or um, less? Of, okay, is the relationship okay. less effective? That's yeah. that's basically what they want to study. Okay, um, that makes sense. And then they also want to see if tardigrades can do space. <laughs> the they can totally do space. They I can, can already space. answer that yeah. question for y'all. So, <laughs> but now they're going to do science with them, though. They're going to do science so with what, tardigrades. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> are the squids? just like floating in like a anti-gravity water or like are they <laughs> anti-gravity water? yeah i know that doesn't really make sense but you know what i'm you know what i'm saying like i think so they would have they're, to they're be right in like yeah they're in a tank they're they need water to live they're in a, <laughs> but in the but there's no gravity right so what does that look like what does that look like? You know, you know what I'm asking? Like, I, I can't know, envision right? what that would look like having, like, a fish tank. I mean, I know it's squid, but, like, a fish tank with water in it, but, like, in space. Yeah, wait. <laughs> I didn't say. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's. It's just a funny visual in my head. Like, is yeah. it, like. I have no idea. This, like, weird, the water is just kind of, like, everywhere, but the squid can still just swim around in it. Or, like, I don't know. Anyway. I, we don't have to dive into that, but that's where my mind is at the moment. It says that they, they will be part of a completely autonomous experiment housed in what looks like a box. So <laughs> okay. I, there's no, there's pumps to add water or remove water. Like, and that's really and that's it that they said about the actual structure that they'll be in. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm sure they've got it figured out. But this is what they look like. They're kind of cute. Oh, Baby squids. They're cute. I think they're like three millimeters long. They're very oh, tiny. Oh, tiny. Yeah. All right. My next story is technology news. This is from academictimes.com. The headline is Quick Blood Typing Device Can Help Bleeding Patients en Route to the ER. So, A new portable device can detect human blood types within minutes, a potential lifesaver for trauma patients awaiting blood transfusions for whom every second is critical. Oh. Yeah. That sounds great. It is great. (laughs) I don't think there's any downsides to it. Um, Perfect. End of story. (laughs) Yeah, we're done. Um, Slightly, (laughs) I'll just explain some more about it. Slightly larger than a microscope slide, the device compares a patient's blood sample with blood antigen markers inside the system to detect whether someone is blood group A, B, AB, or O, as well as positive or negative in the blood RH factor. So, like a normal blood test. Yeah. Um, Apparently, it can work with just a small pinprick to your finger. So that's convenient. Right, yeah. Um, And uh, they, the, the people that invented this just got a patent for it in April. And so it's actually starting to be, like, commercialized now, I guess. And, like... Also, that same team is trying to make um, a way to do this, but like have it have it actually like built into like 
other equipment that might be used in a hospital that is already like collecting blood to just mm. kind of like automatically like just like all, do this. Oh, test. Also the type is this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. And so according to this, like the normal procedure that people that is done, if they don't know what your blood type is, it can take 10 to 20 minutes to get a result from that right now. So if you're thinking like if somebody's like in the ER and it's an emergency, that's actually a really long time. Like yeah. that actually kind of surprised they, me. Like need a blood transfusion. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't rapidly. say that. Yeah. But yeah, if they need, if they like have to have a blood transfusion immediately, they must, and they don't know your blood type, they must do this because they can't just like, right. I mean, I guess they could give you like, you know, the universal, universal one, I guess, but, that's, but like, yeah. that's rare that, that they have that. So, and they don't want to, yeah, they don't want to just use that if like they could give you something. more. Common. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they have to do this test. And if it takes like 20 minutes, that's like a long time. I feel like if you're like in a dire situation, so right. this could actually be like a life-saving technology. So yeah. I thought that was cool. Um, can I order one to do at home? Maybe you can. I don't know. I'll look into that for you. <laughs> I just, I did a, I did a home blood type test and I don't know if I did it right. But then you, but didn't I, you like not trust the result or something? I'm pretty sure I did it. I like, I'm pretty sure I did it right. Okay. But I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. The fact that I did it in a, like a professional didn't do it makes me feel like, I don't know, maybe I messed something up, but. Like at least the result I got made sense. <laughs> it was it was one of my you possible have... options based on my parents. Oh, okay. So. Okay. You have blood type X. Yeah. That's not a blood type. Well, you have it. Um. Yeah. I asked my doctor if I could just like find out what my blood type is because I get like yeah. blood drawn there and and there's like that's just not a test they apparently just do, which I didn't. Oh, understand. really? Yeah. Which I didn't understand. Oh. Okay, that is weird. Yeah. Let's look into maybe you can just order one of these I just things. want one of these. And then, yeah. Uh, if, it's, if it's just as simple as like pricking my finger, I uh-huh. think I can manage that. This one you had to like get your – you had to prick your finger and then like put the blood on this like card like and like you had to put like four separate samples of your blood on four different spots. Oh. And they couldn't touch because otherwise the two – like the – is it the antigens? Is that the, the term? Yeah, I think like so. Because then they could cross like to the other – circles that you had to put these things on and it could contaminate your results. I don't know. It was very complicated. And that's why I'm like, did I, I probably messed this up, right? Yeah, like, no. I don't know. I'm sure you did it right. Yeah. I don't know. But we'll look into ordering you one yeah, of these. Yeah, I want one of these. Okay. <laughs> this sounds great. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today and we read them to you on the fly. Blood. Ready, set, go! Go. This is from UPI. Seven bears crash high school pool party in Tennessee. (laughs) What? I love this. We haven't had a bear. Although, unless people were in danger. Yeah, we haven't. Everyone's fine. We haven't Uh, had a bear story in a long time. We haven't had a bear story in a very long time. It's like Um, the pandemic happened and then everyone forgot about bears. Yeah. Wait a minute. That's that's the primary consequence of the pandemic. I think we can all agree. Um, A pool party in Tennessee was interrupted when a group of bears decided to join in the celebration to go for a swim. Can't blame them. Um, Michelle Johnson posted a a video to YouTube showing what happened uh, when the bears attempted to have a party. Or not when the bears. (laughs) When the high schoolers attempted to have a pool party at the Chalet Village Pool in Gatlinburg, uh, Tennessee. Uh, the video shows a group of bears swimming and wandering outside the pool after the students had fled to a safe distance. They said there were a total of seven bears in the group. Um, 
the Chalet Village employees said that they had uh, that bears were frequently in the area, but they had never seen seven at one time. So this was a particularly uh, yeah, large that's, bear party. That's uh, that's strange. Yeah, I, I mean they're not. I think they're somewhat social animals, but they, they're also usually pretty small groups or solitary. I thought. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like seven. Seven is a lot. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. maybe I don't one know. bear had like a particularly large litter and it was all their kids. Oh, all may- their cubs. maybe. <laughs> I don't know how large a bear litter can be. You'd think we would know after having talked about yeah, bears. You'd think dozens and dozens <laughs> of times, but here we are. <laughs> wow. Well, um I hope the bears had fun. Yeah, me too. I'm glad no one was hurt. Yeah. But mostly I'm I'm hoping the bears had fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I also have an animal-related news story, actually. This is from abc.net.au. Okay. The headline is, Extinct tortoise found alive in the Galapagos Islands after going missing a century ago. Well, then it's not extinct, is it? It's not extinct. It's not actually (laughs) extinct. We thought it was extinct. Uh, Ecuador has confirmed that a giant tortoise that was actually found in 2019 um, in the Galapagos Islands, is in fact a species that was considered extinct a century ago. Yay! Yay! (laughs) It's back. It's back. Or it never left. It never left. (laughs) So I guess scientists from Yale have been working to compare the DNA with like a specimen that they had from like 1906. Because this is like a hundred year old species here. Okay. Um, and they were able to confirm that it is that species. So that's cool. Um, and now the Galapagos National Park is preparing an expedition to search for more of these in an attempt to save the species. Because if there's more, obviously they want to try to like help encourage right. and like one some isn't procreation. Really enough, so. yeah, right? Just one by itself isn't really unless they reproduce yeah. by budding, which is unlikely. Yeah, for, I don't think tortoises. Tortoise. I don't think tortoises do that. Um, and yeah, and then it just kind of talks about like how they found this, but I mean, there's a lot of tortoises in the Galapagos, um, but not this. So kind. just this exact kind is like thought to be extinct. So hmm. it's pretty cool that it's like not actually. So <laughs> surprise. I hope they find more. Surprise! I'm still here, y'all. Surprise! That's what it said when they found it. The tortoise has hands. Yeah, it has perpetual jazz hands. Jazz hands. Yeah. That's actually why they suspected it was a different species. Right, they saw that and they were like, that uh, looks different. Wait a second. <laughs> most, most tortoises and don't And then they have did the fingers. testing. Yeah. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews, on Twitter at at knickknacknews, and on Instagram at knickknacknews. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.